Now, you'll probably hear me always say this, that you only got one tape. So when, we, when we're teaching, uh, you have to understand that you don't, you don't have it all. Like, like today I'm teaching on uh, Paul finishes course. I'm on tape 23. I'm sorry, 25. Yeah, you're right. Tape number 25. Last week I taught on tape 23 and I showed you something uh, about the Apostle Paul, the just shall live by faith. But I showed you that and I've talked about faith and I showed you how the Paul said, I have fought, I have fought a good fight. All right, uh, I have fought a good fight. Now we know and we talk about that good fight was faith that he fought. But what I want to do today, I want to take you into showing you something in the Word of God. And like I tell you, you don't have it all. You only got one tape. So you got to understand that. You only got one week. <laughs> all right. Everything I talk about, I'm giving you more every week. Once the series is finished, then you'll be able to go back over the series again and you'll be able to get the understanding. Okay. My goal is understanding. Got to know what my goal is. All right, let me show you that, Proverbs 4-7, before I get into my message. You got to know the goal. As a pastor, what am, I, what am I after? I'm after to bring you somewhere. And see, this is what happened to a lot of people. They think they have arrived, so they don't need the word anymore. They think they're there, and they don't understand that that's why abuse is inevitable. Because Proverbs 4-7 says, wisdom I'm going to wait till you hit the screen. Wisdom is the principal thing. That means wisdom is first. To do what principle means first. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But then he says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Because that is the ultimate goal of a teacher. Is to bring you to one word, and that is called Understanding. NLT said, wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. That's wisdom. But see, you haven't got to that other word called understanding. Because once you get understanding, you get developed. And my job is to make sure you get developed. All right. So let's, let's go into the word of God today, shall we? Now, what I want to do today is I want to give you our teaching today. Because last week I talked about uh, Paul said I, I, he, he fought a good fight. I'm teaching on faith for a few days, a few times. And so I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5. We're reading out the NLT. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 7. And you're going to get myself. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And I want to read verse 1. Through verse 7. Verse 7 is going to be my verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm reading out the NLT. I'm going to pull up a chair a little while. It's okay with you. All right. Verse 1 through verse number 5. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent, talking about your fleshly body, we live in is taken down. That is, when we die and we leave this earthly body. Now, he's talking about, he's talking soul talk. We leave this earthly body. Well, you know the soul is what leaves the body. So he says, when we die and leave this earthly body, we would have a house in heaven. Now, he's talking about your body. I told you last week where Christ was. So you have, that's why you have to be able to keep up. Last week, we talked about where you go when you die. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll give you a little of that today. Uh, we'll show you where the Lord is. And when, when Jesus rose from the dead in the book of Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11, he went to heaven. We're going to show you that again. Then he showed you also in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, that when the saints arose from the dead, they went into Jerusalem. See, all of that means something. You got to know where your destiny is. Spiritually, I know what your destiny is. It's understanding. Because if you don't get understanding, you can't keep the word. 
And most people don't realize they get the wisdom and they get the knowledge and they think they got it. But you haven't arrived until you understand. Only what you understand the enemy can't take. If you ever learn how to ride a bicycle when you was 13, 14, 15 years old, give me a bicycle, I'm 73 years old, I ride your bicycle. Why? I understand how to ride a bicycle. Do everybody understand what understanding is? See, once you understand, you can do that, regardless of your age. There are people right now learn how to skate. I wish I had it when they was young. Skating no fun with me this time of the year. Amen. Learn it. If you ever want to learn how to skate, learn it when you're young. Little. You don't want to learn how to skate when you get 73 years old, amen? It won't be pleasant to the eyes. Amen. All right, let me finish this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number uh, 1 says, For we know that if this earthly house or earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we would have a house in heaven, an eternal body. Now, he's not talking about a building. He's talking about a, a body, Okay. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not with human hand. And we know that body because we saw him raised from the dead. That's that body. Okay. We got one just like it. All right. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothes. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits with our bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that closes us. See, you hear the soul saying that? Right. Because it's the body that closes the soul, right? So that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. As a guarantee, he has given us, watch this, the Holy Spirit. So the guarantee that all of this is going to happen in your life, God has given you the Holy Spirit. See, that's why I keep telling you, this is no time or no game. You got to make sure you have the Holy Spirit, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 verse 9 says you're none of his. You only belong to him if you have the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then in verse number 6 says, we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. So you're not at home yet. For we live by believing and not sin. Verse 7 is your subject. We live by believing and not by seeing. That's your tape for today. Say it with me. We live by believing and not by seeing. So how are you going to live the life God wants you to live is by believing. So we know where the attack of the enemy will be. Ain't that right? So if you're going to live by believing, I know where the enemy will attack. Keep me from believing. He doesn't care about you going to church. He doesn't care about you hearing a good sermon where the organ is playing around. He don't care. As long as nobody gives you the gospel of Christ, And as long as you don't believe it. Because we live by believing and not by seeing. That's your subject. Now, what I want to do now is take us into this. You want to write down the word believe because I want you to really understand what believe. I'm going to give you some examples. What does it mean to believe God? Because there's a lot of people think they believe in God. To believe means to accept something is true. So in regards to what I say to you, if you believe me, you accepted it as true. Is that right? Now, if you don't believe me, you don't think what I told you is true. That's what believing is. Let's give you another word. The word believe means to have faith in. Now, the only somebody we're supposed to have faith in is God. We're supposed to believe God. 
We're supposed to have faith in God. Here's another word, to trust in. God wants to bring you to a place so you can trust him. When you first start out as a believer, as a Christian, you have the title, but you might not have what you really need, which is the evidence. See, faith is two things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And faith is the, we go to that name, faith is also the evidence. So you got to understand something. You, you, you may have the faith in one part for substance, but you might not have the evidence. So we go there next. I know everybody here know what that Hebrews 11, right? Praise the Lord. You got time to find it. I even told you what chapter. All right. So faith. When, you, when you believe God, you trust God. You have confidence in the ability of God. So what's faith? Faith is the confidence in the ability of God and his word. So when you say you believe God, I'm a believer, that is what God expects you to do. And the only way you can believe God's word, you have to have his faith. Did you hear what I said? So if you don't have his faith, you, don't, you can't believe his word. Let me put it this way. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't believe God's word. Now let's go and show you what I just told you in the book of Hebrews. I know somebody got it by now. I told you what chapter, chapter 11, so I know you got it. First verse, ain't it, brother? It's not hard. Like the woman said when she sell her merchandise, <clears throat> her merchandise, she says, not complicated. So I continue to say to you, this really ain't hard. It has to do with you studying. And I say to you, if you don't have time, then come here. And I'll make sure you have enough word for your journey. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read that out of the King James, but I'm going to read it secondly out of the NLT. In this church, we have NLTs. We have ordered a lot of NLTs. Uh, in the storehouse. Now, Hebrew 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's also the evidence of things not seen. Say that with me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's also the evidence Of things not seen. So, so, what is your subject for today? We live by believing and not by seeing. So that means I'm going to need faith because faith is the substance of things I'm hoping for. And it also is the evidence of the things I can't see. Now you see why you got to have the faith, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to read that same verse out of the NLT, that verse 11. Chapter 11, Hebrew 11 and 1 says, Faith is a confident that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So if I got faith, I have the confidence and I got the assurance I got both. I got the substance and I got the evidence. And it's in one word, faith. So my job is to teach you how to believe God without seeing God. So I'm going to give you some illustrations. Another word, I'm sorry, another word for the word to believe God means to be fully persuaded. So we, for that, we're going to go to Romans 4.16. It 
in the King James Version. No, matter of fact, I got to read it out the NLT. Romans chapter 4. I got to read it out of King James first, though. Romans chapter 4. Now, in Romans chapter number 4, we're going to start reading verse 16 through 21. We want to show you Abraham, because when I left yesterday, when I left here yesterday, what I said to the Lord was, I want to know how Abraham got to Romans chapter 4. Because when I study Abraham's life, Abraham was not at Romans chapter 4. Abraham was living by seeing. And most people today is trying to live by seeing. They don't know how faith operates. And without their faith, you cannot access God's grace. That's Romans 5, 2. We have a teaching on our podcast showing you that what faith does, faith access the grace of God. The grace of God is everything God has done for you and everything God has given you. You have to have faith to access that. That's why Romans 5, 2, Ephesians 2, 18, Ephesians 3, 18, all these verses are telling you about access. It's no different than you having a home or a car. Without a key, you can't access. You might have a computer, but without a code. Your own phone, you can't even get in it. Forgot the password. Got all kind of money in the bank. Got a phone and can't even open the phone. Access. It's a very important word. So God gave you faith to access his grace. Your inheritance is the grace of God. Christ is God's grace. Told you that in Titus 2.11. Christ is the grace of God. Everything God had for you, he put it in a person called Christ Jesus. Then he put the person in you. Then he gave you the faith to access the grace that lives in you. And yet people still don't have. Okay, I say I'm going to take you somewhere. I gave you Hebrew already. Romans chapter 4. And we'll start reading verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. See, they work together. You can't get grace without faith. That's why believing is how you got to live now. We live by believing. Once, once that sits in your spirit and you realize why things may not have been working for you. Because you're trying to get stuff without believing God. And once you begin to, this journey as a born again believer. And you're born again by believing in Christ's death, death, and resurrection. Now you start a journey of faith. I did a series once. Don't go to the storehouse and mess with this, okay? I did a series once, 11-day journey. Because Israel came out of Egypt. They supposed to have been in the promised land in 11 days. Took them 40 years. You got people. You got people been saved 
10, 15, 20 years. They tell you they're a believer, part of a church, never have received the Holy Spirit. Because they think religion is going to get you there. Look, watch here I'm going. Romans 4, 16. Hold your finger right there. Let me go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll probably be all over the place look like here. Ephesians chapter 1. See, some things I go over a lot because I used to think that I had it. You know, it's an awesome thing when you think you're saved and you ain't. I, I thought I was saved. I was believing the wrong message. See, if you don't believe in the cross... And what God did on the cross for you, you don't have salvation yet. Your salvation was bought and paid for by the cross. And the man that was on the cross, he was both your sacrifice and your offering. He was your high priest. Not of your confession, that's not your covenant. But on the cross, Christ was your high priest. He didn't just get to be high priest. He was born the high priest. See, if you know the Bible, you know what I'm saying. He was born the high priest. That's why in the book of Luke in Matthew, somebody can find me one scripture, they wrapped him in swollen clothes. Why was the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes? Because he was the high priest. Only the high priest was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was wrapped. The high priest had to wrap his head with linen. Jesus, when he died on the cross, they wrestled over his robe that was not Sown because it was the robe of the high priest. The Jews hated him because he knew who he was and is. He looked at a person and says, Your sins be forgiven you. Caiaphas says, Who is the high priest of that day? says, Wait, wait, young man, what is this? That you can forgive sin now? He said, look, what is easier? To say to the man, rise up and walk or your sins be forgiven you. Only the high priest could forgive sin. Because he knows he's the one who can go behind the veil every year to make sure people would get rid of their sin. When they had sin, they had to come to the high priest. High priest offer up an offering. But Jesus said, you're fired. I'm not going to need you no more. Your ministry is over. I'm the fulfillment of the high priest. We're not going to need the high priest no more. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. We're going to do things the God's kind of way now. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. is on the string. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped. He's talking to shepherds. <laughs> shepherds are pastors. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he's lying in a manger. And that day a manger was a trough that the animal drank water out of. You're going to find the babe lying in a manger. But he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let me show you that in the book of Ezekiel chapter 16. My God. Don't forget I'm going to Romans 4, 16. Brother. Ezekiel. Right after Jeremiah. Y'all never watched Jeremiah. Please go watch Jeremiah. I watch Jeremiah at least, at least two or three, four times a year. I guess back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 
Seemed like I could still hear God call me when he said, Jeremiah, <laughs> I'll tell you. Ezekiel chapter 4. Uh, I see, I see, I'm doing Ezekiel, should be Ezekiel chapter number 16 for, I did it back with that thing. Is 16? Yeah, 16. I think I did it backwards. Uh, let's start verse number 1. Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm sorry, I think I told you something else. My God, my God. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, I get something done here, this way. Son of man, son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Say to Jerusalem, thus saith the Lord, God of Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity is of the land of Canaan. Now that, that meant something to tell her where she was born. Because so was Adam. Adam was a high priest of Jerusalem. That's why Noah got his inheritance. Under Israel, you cannot sell or trade your inheritance. Your inheritance goes to the children's and the children's children. That's why Noah got the inheritance of Adam. Abraham got the inheritance of Noah. Isaac got the inheritance. Jacob got his father's inheritance. The children of Israel know where they were gone when they left Egypt to their inheritance, which is the land of Canaan. Did everybody understand what I just said? But these people, even Moses, was a high priest. That's why he was able to go in the mountain and talk to God. But God made him as God and made Aaron as the high priest. It wasn't supposed to be that way. The nation of Israel supposed to have been all high priests. I'm sorry, all priests of God. With one high priest, which would be Christ. Old Testament, Aaron would be the high priest. And all the nation of Israel should have been priests. But to be priests, you have to understand that's who you're supposed to be now. You're the body of Christ. That's why you got to make sure you're a person of prayer. Show me a priest that don't pray. <sighs> Let's move on. In verse number three, we're in Ezekiel 16, three. Thus said the Lord, to the God of Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. As far as your nativity in the day you was born, your navel was not cut. Neither was you washed in water. I'm sorry, to supper thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Now, what does it mean by swaddling? You wrapped in swaddling clothes. We showed you that in Jesus. Verse number five, what caused me to weep. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you. To have compassion upon you. But thou was cast out into an open field. To the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. They didn't want you. When God found her, nobody wanted her. When I passed by you, I saw you polluted in your own blood. I said to you, when thou was in thy blood, live. God said, when I found you, you were dying. And I said to you, live. Yea, I said to you when thou was in your blood, live. You are mine. 
Now, to understand what God is doing to Jerusalem, you have to understand the word. You have to know who they are. Look at Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. So in Isaiah chapter 5, God told you who, he, who Israel was. So a priest, according to Ezekiel 16 and 4, had to be washed with water when Christ came. The first thing John did was baptize him. Because the priest had to be washed by another priest, which was John the Baptist, Zachariah's son. And Zachariah was the priest. The second thing he had to do with the offering is salt it. And that's what they did even with babies. They took salt and oil and washed the baby off. Kill all the germs and the infections and stuff all the way. Even using in all offerings. All the Old Testament offering had to be salted with salt. Purification. And the next thing had to happen with the baby. He had to be anointed with oil. So those things had to happen with the high priest. Those are the instruments of the high priest. That's why Christ wore a linen garment his whole ministry. He was the high priest. That's why he could go behind the veil to talk to God and come back and talk to man. He was the high priest. See, this is why you got people saying today, oh yeah, the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. They don't understand. The Lord wasn't coming for you. The Lord was coming as a high priest. The Lord went to heaven, and the book of Hebrews told you where he went when he went to heaven. He went into Jerusalem. He went into Zion. Zion was the place where the high priest lived, where the king lived. And he told you that Jesus was sitting on his throne. Hebrews 4.16 says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And a lot of people read that as come boldly and God going to beat you up. No, you're not coming to the, that, that's Old Testament. So when people take Romans 13 and say, see right here it told us we all got to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, yeah, there's people in the Old Covenant who wouldn't say they appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In the New Covenant, there's no judgment seat no more. You need to read Hebrews 6 and 1. Leaving. People don't want to leave that. Religion always talk about judgment, condemnation. There's no judgment seat for you. If you're not in Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> That's it. Your soul is going to die for eternity. But if you're in Christ, you're going to live with him for eternity. You just make a choice. Well, you want to die forever or live forever? But this is not a game. That's why the Bible said, no, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God lives in you, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. He's talking to you as a priest. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to God. And then the other place he told you in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what he would do to you if you would destroy this temple. People think it's something. You think you can just get high and drink. You said you were saved. You said the Spirit of God lives in you. Don't you know you are drinking yourself to death? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's better to leave this alone and wait till you're ready to do something than to walk around and holler about, I'm a Christian, I got the Holy Spirit, and then you're doing all this stuff. Don't you realize the Bible told you what would happen to you? Priest, you are the temple. Hallelujah. See, either you want to be saved or you don't. But don't play with this. This is not a game. 
All right. I, show you, I say I'm going to show you something. Isaiah chapter 5. Thank you very much. You're going to be my, voice, my mouthpiece, okay? All right. Let's go to verse 1. Now, in, in 1 through 7, my whole point to show you vineyard. You want to write the word down, vineyard. I'm going to get there. I'm going a long way around, but I'm going to get there. Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. That's why so many people don't understand the songs of Solomon, because it's about the vineyard and who they found in the vineyard. They want the rose of Sharon, but they don't know what a rose of Sharon at. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he fenced the vineyard. He, first, he put the vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now, you got to understand something. You start off in Genesis, it's a garden. It's a garden of Eden. It never changed. It's the promised land and Jerusalem. It's heaven and earth. It doesn't change. It just changed high priest in the old covenant. There was a time the high priest was Adam. Then the high priest was Noah. Then the high priest came down to uh, uh, Abraham. And then Moses and on down the list. High priest. Aaron. Those people were high priests. Even David was a high priest. They could go to God and talk to God on behalf of the people. They can come back to the people and tell them what God says. That's how powerful David was. He was so powerful until God wouldn't kill him because of his ministry. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 2. He fenced in the vineyard. He gathered out the stone thereof, and we know the stone were heathens, was where Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, all the mites. He planted it with the choicest vine. Now we know the choicest vine is Christ. He built a tower in the midst of it for the prophet. Watchman, what of the night? And he also made a wine press therein. That is where the grapes were crushed. One day it will be fulfilled where Christ would die on the cross. Wine press. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. I don't know if you ever have tasted a wild grape. Something you thought was a grape, and it was not. Oh my God. And now we're inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea. Who's he talking to? The inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judea. Church, I pray you betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, once again, it brought forth wild grapes. And now go to. I'll tell you what I would do with my vineyard. Here it is. I will take away the heads thereof, those were the angels, and it shall be eaten up. I'm going to break down the wall thereof, talking about Jerusalem, and it shall be trodden down, trodden down of the Gentiles. Jesus is going to talk about it in Matthew 24. I will say to, I will lay it to waste and shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I would also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And his men of Judah is his pleasant plant. He looked for judgment and behold oppression. He looked for righteousness but behold a cry. So if you follow the wine press alone, if you just follow the word wine press, it'll take you to the book of Revelation. Just show you one. Revelation 14. And I'm, I'm going to let you follow the wine press yourself later on. Revelation chapter, believe me, you follow that, it's going to take you all the way to Revelation the end of the chapter. But let's just go to Revelation 14. See, people think that we, we gonna, this is going to happen to us. It's not going to happen to you. It's already happened. 
He just says what he's going to do. And I'm going to show you the parables that he taught. Revelation chapter number 14. In Revelation chapter 14, let's start reading with verse 19 and 20. Now, all that's good. Matter of fact, let me back up to 14. I'm going to take my time and just do that. Back up to verse 14. This is the only one I'm going to do here and I'm going to get out of here. Revelation chapter number 14 and verse 14 on the screen. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head, there it is, a golden crown in his hand, a sharp sickle. What is he showing you? Who wore the golden crown? The high priest. See, once you study, if I asked you last week to study the high priest. And if you had, you'd know that he wears a mitra on his head. That's why you have people today in a certain denomination, I can't call his name, they have the whole big tall hats. And then when other folk now getting be apostles and stuff, they get them a big hat and a big old stick. My Lord. They're high priests now, huh? All right, let's move on. But in verse number 15, we're in Revelation 14, 15. Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice, to him that sat on the cloud, he sat on the cloud, he sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Hold your finger right there. The harvest of the earth. Go to Matthew 13. We'll be right back. The harvest of the earth. Say harvest. The harvest of the earth. See, if you know the earth is the Lord's, you'll know the earth is the promised land in all Israel. The heaven is Jerusalem. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Doctrine was upon the face of the deep. If you know what he's talking about, it goes right through the Bible. Here it is, Matthew chapter 13 and verse number Oh, I'm, I'm in chapter 12. Matthew chapter 13. And let's go to verse number 37. He's going to explain the parable of the wheat and the tares. In verse 37, he answered and said to them, He that sowed the good seed is the son of man. Just like it was in Genesis. The field is the world. That's who Israel had turned into. They started out a garden, but now they are the world. So when the Bible said, love not the world, neither the things that's in the world, if any man love the world, 1 John chapter number 2, 15, 16, 17, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's all in the world. It's all, he's talking about Jerusalem. He that answered and said to them in verse 37, Matthew 13, 37, the good seed is the son of man. Remember, the son of man is the good seed. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tales are the children of the wicked one. What does it mean, the children of the wicked one? The children of Cain. So when you read 1 John, he would tell you about Cain. Not as Cain, who slew that, slew his brother. That's in 1 John. Somebody can find that. I think it's chapter 2 or 3, 1 John. And then here in verse number 39, the enemy that sold them is the devil. See, that's why you got to understand Cain's father was the devil. The woman said, I have begotten me, a man, from the Lord. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Is the end of Israel. The harvest, I just read that to you, so I ask you to come back to the word harvest. Showed you what the harvest is, is the end of the world. And people get on television and say, I want y'all to send me money because I got to get the harvest. Just keep sending me money because the harvest is right. And we got to get the harvest in. Don't know. Don't say it, bro. The enemy that sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Say the harvest is the end of the world. 
See, they was waiting for the end of the world. You don't know what the world is. The world was Israel. That's why the world passes away and the lust thereof. So God saved people out of the world. Jesus so loved the world. He's talking about Israel that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to destroy the world but that the world through him might be saved. He's talking about Israel. And so today people think he's talking about the cosmos. He's talking about the planet. Well if he's going to destroy the world the man over there now all the missiles he's shooting he, will, he could destroy the world by himself. That's not what he's talking about. Verse 39, the enemy that shows them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the world. Don't forget what I just said. I'm going to ask you this again. Would you write that down? The harvest is the end of the world. That's verse 39. Here's another thing you want to write down. The reapers are the angels. And therefore the tails are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be, here it is again, in the end of this world, 2,000 years ago. Not your world, their world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. He's going to cast them into a furnace of fire. That's what I'm getting ready to read to you in, in, in Revelation 14. He's going to cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever have ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go back to Revelation 14. When you read Revelation chapter 14, you'll see the exact thing I just told you. It was already been done. Revelation 14. And verse number 14, I looked and behold a white cloud, and up on the cloud one set like a, the son of man. He coming with cloud. Having on his head a golden crown, that's the high priest. And in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. Jesus said that when he was in Israel, he looked and said the harvest is already white, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his heart. If you, you read the Bible, you can see all this. Stop believing these land preachers. And verse 16, he that sat upon the cloud thrusting his sickle and the earth and the sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar, which had the power over fire. Cry with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sickle and reap, gather the cluster of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. I thought it was us. Just told you who the wine, who the wine press was. Just told you who that was, Israel and Jerusalem. Read Isaiah 5, 1 through 7 again, you'll see it. Verse number 20 says, And the wine press was trodden without the city, and the blood came out the wine press, even to the horse's bridle. By the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. See, if you read the Bible, it just jumps out at you, don't it? But that's not my message today. Go back to where I'm going, Brother Romans chapter 4. I just thought I'd give you a little bit of that heaven on earth. Now, you know you sits in heaven and places in Christ, so I can't hold nothing back from you. Romans chapter number 5. Romans 4, 16, I'm sorry. I asked God... I asked God yesterday while I was on my way home. I want to know how Abraham got from weak faith to strong faith. How Abraham got from seeing to believing. 
Abraham would look at his wife and say, you 90 years old, you can't have no baby. And I'm 99, I can't have one. He was in the natural. But once God got through with him, God told him this time next year. Your wife, Sarah, she'll have a son. Matter of fact, I'll be back for the ceremony. This time next year. And, I, and Abraham would fall on his face and he cries out to God, Oh, that Ishmael might reign before you. Boy, I just got through telling him blessings. I'll bless you. Multiply our mother. I gave you seven I will. And you came back to me with, Oh, that Ishmael might reign. Ishmael is not going to be my heir. My heir must be high priest. He must be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He must be born a king, a priest, and a prophet. That's who Christ was. He was born all three. That's why he fulfilled the prophets, he fulfilled the kings, and he fulfilled the high priest. That's why in the book of Hebrews, he is a high priest forever after order Melchizedek. Melchizedek didn't have no mother and no father, no beginning and no ending. You know all that, don't you? Because you stood at the high priest this week, like I told you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 16. Therefore, it is our faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed. No S. Not to that only which is of the law, but also that which is of the faith of Abraham, which is the father of us all. It is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom, the, whom, be, whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead. He, he, this is how God operates. He calls things which be not as though they were. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. When he was 100 years old, there was no hope. But he also kept believing. Look at somebody and say, just keep believing. See, when you got, when you, when you, when you got things going, Brother Wisehouse, you, you got to just keep believing. Brother Gamble, do you hear what I'm saying? You don't see it, but you got to do what? Look at somebody and say, just keep believing. It's just like planting a garden. You haven't seen it, Tamar. Just keep believing. I planted the seed, I don't see nothing. Matter of fact, I talked to the Lord about it, and I, I know it's in the Word, it's mine. I have not seen it. Just keep believing. Got your own business now, Yancey. Got his wife, got, got his wife, and got both of them on the back of his truck. You see his new truck with his. Yancey's. You just got to keep believing. You can't go by seeing. If you can see it, it's natural. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the last two verses, three verses. If you can see it, it's natural. It'll pass away. But if you can't see it and you believe in God for it, it's eternal. Might well let you in on something. Because one of the things I'm believing in God for today is, is working of miracles. So I asked God the other day, because he's the working of miracles. You can't have the working of miracles unless you have the faith to back it up. You can't have weak faith and then the working of miracles. You understand what I mean? <laughs> Praise God. So I asked God, I says, I want to know how Abraham went from weak faith to strong in the faith. That's where this message is going to take you to the next service. We're going there. Amen. Against hope, he believed in hope, verse 18. That he might become the father of many nations, just told you right there. According to that which was spoken, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. 
He didn't look at the natural when he was about 100 years old. He didn't look at the deafness of Sarah's womb. Girl, we both in trouble here. God said we're going to have a son. He can't look at the natural. You can't look at Sarah. You can't look at Abraham if God going to do something. You got to go by one thing, and that's God has spoken. Somebody said God has spoken. My God Almighty. Watch this next verse. He staggered not. He staggered not at the promises. Oh my God. How can you, how can God say something to you? See, God showed me, my wife and I, she knows this, we were at the other church. God showed me he's going to build a new church right here. Sister Cantrell sitting over there. Sister Cantrell took the bottle of oil and, played, and pulled it on the ground and said, Pastor, this is where the new, the new sanctuary is going to be right here. I'm going to pull the oil. I said, pull the oil. We're going to build it right there. And my lion sister sitting right over there. This sanctuary sits right there. 23 years ago this coming September, 23 years ago. People say, oh, man, you're going to build a six and a half million dollar church right here in Pontiac? Yeah. In Pontiac? Yeah. The people in Pontiac don't have no money. Well, somebody buying dope. <laughs> the, 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 dope the dope man no money here. Everybody no money here but the church. Did you, you, did you hear what I just said? God, if he put the word here, he'll bless the people and the people will take care of his business. Let me finish this. Verse 20 says, he staggered not at the promise of God to unbelief. See, when you don't believe God, you're staggering. Unbelief does what? You're staggering. He didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith. He was what? Strong. He was strong in faith. Look at somebody said, that's where we're headed. Come on, you got to get happy about this one. Look at somebody said, that's where I'm headed. I pray for you every day that God will strengthen your faith. I pray to God he would add to your love. He would add to your faith. He would make sure that you become strong in faith. So when you believe in God, there's nothing impossible to them that can believe. Look at somebody say, all things are possible to me because I'm a believer. If I want my own business, Yancey, I can get my own business. I'm a believer. Sister, know what I'm talking about, don't you? Sister AC, know what I'm talking about over there. A believer. When you see a believer, you can't limit them. There is no limit. One of the things we talked about when we came to this church, God said to me, take the limit of God. That's how I'm going to close today. Look at somebody say, in this house, in my house, we serve the Lord. There is no limit. Come on, step up on your feet. Come on your feet. Get on your feet. There's no limit. We have no limit on God. Ooh. First Corinthians 15. Somebody said while I'm reading, take note, there's no limit on God. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and where you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I have received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried, and then God raised him again from the dead on the third day. That is our salvation. We believe in Christ's death, 
His burial, His resurrection. And by believing, cause us to live. We live by believing. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.